Oakley Renee. I'm hype. I'm hype every day, but I'm hype because this is episode 21 plus one, episode 22. And it's like jam packed. It's everything that episode 21 to me could have been. We had a lot of ups and downs, but that's podcasting life. And I like to be transparent. Let me bring in my two lit crew because We've been lit lately, and let's keep the vibes going. We got my snooker booker over here. I know you see her. Shouts to my mom, my snook. We got my sister Cole. Look, they got the smiles on, boy. Got my sister Cole in here. And then we got my VP, Paul Garino. I'm excited because today we have a full slate of fun. Also, too, I don't know. Should we announce the game that's coming, like, soon come? Should we talk about that or no? Uh, we can talk about it. It's coming. Okay, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little later, but we got a fun game coming. Uh, so listen, without further ado, we're gonna get right into it. Get right into it with scoreboard VP. What we got up this week? All right. So first one I want to go over. Uh, Conor McGregor wants to buy part of Manchester United. Okay. How do you feel about that? More ownership. It's more ownership, but Conor McGregor. It's just like. So I remember, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think it came out that he made more money uh, from his whiskey uh, than as a UFC speaker. Yeah. Is that the guy who was fighting, who fought a regular fight because he said he could beat somebody and they had like a, <laughs> and he got, he got, uh, he got beat a little bit, just a little bit, a little bit. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I, I feel Are you like talking about the Jake Paul fight? Is that what it was? No, he didn't fight Jake Paul, did he? No, he he fought somebody else because he said he could beat. He was a UFC fighter who could beat a regular boxer. Oh, oh he, he fought Floyd that. Mayweather. Yeah, and Mayweather yeah, kind of beat him up just a little bit. No, he beat him. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, and Paul, you know, sports teams are just the going thing right now. So yeah. I'm trying to find one that I can afford because everybody's buying one. <laughs> Well, well, they do have a minor league baseball team in West Virginia. I know, I know. And it's new this year because uh, the team that we had before uh, cut out on us. So we have actually new minor league baseball team. And I really don't think it has an affiliation like our last one was with, uh, I want to say Cincinnati. But uh, anyway, we have a new one here. I'll have to check into that and see if we can, you know, tap in. (laughs) makes me think of is is billions and i know i told you this show but the guy on billions was a billionaire right and all he wanted to do was get an ownership of a team and so he tried to pay the most money he could and they still wouldn't accept him in this club but the reason i say that is because i think once you start to become like an owner of a team it's almost like a status so it's like you could have as much money as you have, but you want to be a part of what they used to call it, the boys club, the boys club. And I remember when P Diddy, all of them had put in a bid, Steph Curry, they all were trying to buy, I think it was the Panthers at the time yeah. and couldn't get in. You can have the money and you can still not get in is my point. So if you are able to get in, shouts to D Wade, he just got in with the Utah jazz. I mean, you got to get in where you fit in because that's a club where you almost have to be accepted into it. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if we talked about it last week or not, but I've just been reading something this week about A-Rod wasn't really interested in the Timberwolves. He wanted the Lynx. And so he said that was just- I saw that too. And I didn't know if it was, I didn't know if it was real or not, but I guess it was real. (laughs) Because he said, because he said the the Lynx, he really wanted. 
he the you know the Timberlakes uh, Timberwolves were just the side thing and went from so you know you know what the Timberlakes is actually a good mistake because Minnesota is known as the place of fifty the land of fifty lakes what, like, so, yeah. a thousand lakes so the Timberlakes shouts to the Timberlakes but hey <laughs> what and you know well, what speaking of go ahead Paul speaking of the Timber Timberlake Justin Timberlake I believe owns part of the uh, uh yeah the Grizzlies. Oh, wow. So this is, yeah, and I'm sure he's been on that. But speaking of, you know, A-Rod is, is a smart man. I'm sure that he has seen all the rumblings of the people like, all we hear about is the Timberwolves. What about the Lynx? That one statement that he made, we will never know if it's true or not, and it doesn't matter. But that statement that is going around that he was really interested in the, Timber, in the Minnesota Lynx, Bravo! Like I it gotta warm, warm my heart. You know, I'm trying to still find out what games he's gonna be at. <laughs> still trying to catch a Rod at a game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, shouts to a Rod. Shouts to all the athletes that are trying to be owners because, like I said, I feel like that's the natural next step. You've already been a part of the system for so long. Why not manage it? Why not own it? What else you got, VP? Yeah, one last thing. Uh, a lot of NBA players actually own um the australian basketball teams on the men's side really all i can yeah. think of is i know that well, well lamello did it last year but but when i was looking did research like a lot of nba players do a part ownership in that league i wonder why that league i mean i know that about saying, something, it's rising that that's my question too why it's rising league? it's like because it's like yeah well, i was about to say the australian league not for nothing i mean even in the olympics shouts to lauren jackson in those days australia was always a tough competitor to any U.S. sports, and, and so their league, I played in Australia. I feel like I played everywhere, snooking them, visiting me in Australia. Um, I played in Australia. That's a tough league, and on the men's side, their league has a lot of players that, if not go to play in yeah. a big club in Europe, they play in their league, and it gets you seen, and you can get a tryout in the NBA off of playing in a league like that, so I kind of, I get it. I get it. Yeah, no, a lot of guys have been coming back or, or going there, like, Lamelo's team had Aaron Brooks as the point guard and Josh Boone, UConn alum, as the power forward. You, oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, all right. So the next one, we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago uh, about the overtime basketball league, and now they just raised eighty million dollars for like kind of specifically for that. And investors include Pal Gasol, Devin Booker, Jeff Bezos, Amazon founder, and Drake. Okay, <laughs> overtime league. Call me. I don't know what's going on over there, but it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like it's going great. Okay, like it like dollar signs. It sounds like eighty million, but it's now I'm not even sixty for me. It's not even the money for me. Like uh, it's wow. You got Jeff Bezos, Drake. You got all these people that are already buying in. Devin Booker. Just that alone is going to make it a certain level of success because if they just start promoting it. I mean, Jeff Bezos, I, like, I don't even know what they're going to do. That's a serious pitch. He'll, he'll put a fly on Amazon packages we get. Oh, true. It's already going to flyer in there. <laughs> it's already going to be streamed on Amazon Studios. So if you have the Amazon app, it's going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that was a serious pitch. Whoever pitched that was, I'm telling you, genius. Genius. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So what else you got, VP? I like that one. That one's going to be good. Um, did they, wait, real quick question. Did they say when the league was going to be? Like, do they have a start, a timeline, basically, for anything? 
Uh, I forgot. I don't know if it was this this fall or next fall. It's for uh, it's for high school. I know, but I'm just saying, um, is there a timeline? They might they might try to do it next fall when they know everything should be open. Yeah. You no, know, it probably makes more sense not to try to rush it for this fall. Right, because you don't know if we'll have a flare up and everything will shut back down. At this point, we're still kind of. Yeah, I mean, when you're doing a whole league, like I'm, I'm witnessing it right now, just with the Atlanta Dream and the WBA, with all the different COVID protocols, how often you have to test. I mean, when you're a new league, 80 million, you can do anything. But when you're a new league, you maybe don't even want to have to jump through those hoops. Like for instance. Right. With the Hawks games right now, there's no food or drinks at the stadium. Like, so it's, it's shut down whenever I'm there. They don't even have it. So maybe if you do want to come out the gates, you want to come out guns swinging and be able to do everything, have fans, have it jam-packed in the atmosphere. So maybe you do wait a little while until you're sure the coast is clear. Yep. What else you got, VP? So NFTs, we've been talking about them a lot. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews came out with his own NFTs. And he got nearly $200,000 for them. And he's donating some of it to uh, Sick Kids Foundation. Okay, so hello, Snook and Cole. Do we have, do, do we have any NFTs? They're coming do soon. We have, it's soon come. I'm glad you asked. That's so good, Snookabook. A way to throw me the alley hoop. We should. <laughs> if we feel the way. Um, but there's going to be multiple releases so i saw something shouts to uh darren uh he's very popular on on social media what's his last name darren ravel darren ravel i saw that he did a little post that basically said there's a lot of people coming out with nfts right now a lot of big names and a lot of the big names nfts are basically for lack of better terms underwhelming and so he was saying that the NFTs, it doesn't matter if you have a big name, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a big buy on NFTs. Like the NFT better be on point. So Snookabooka to that point, when we do come out with some NFTs, they will be on point. And Darren, what's up? I want you to grade it and tell me like, what level is, is our NFT and how we look it? Hey. That's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah, we, yeah, we might. Well, we got to make sure it's on point because if he's an honest person, we we don't want to get gobsmacked, no. molly whopped. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be molly whopped. We gotta make sure it's on points that you to put us out there, Renee. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like they say when you like preview a movie that's premiering. They're like, listen, let's follow the golden rule. If you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right? <laughs> the golden rule. <laughs> all right, so. For Happening IRL, it's lit. We have Dan Lebatar, who left ESPN and has now formed his own monster media company, Meaty Metal Lark. And he also has John Skipper with him with, as you all know, I'm sure you know, he was an exec at ESPN. I mean, they're building some dope things here. Dan, what's up? Like, first of all, thank you for joining us here remotely, Two Lit Crew. Hello, hello, this is Dan. <laughs> Everybody that's Snook, that's Cole, that's the VP. You know about this because you have similar things on your show, but just tell me about your background. Um, we talk personally, but just tell me about why did you decide to leave ESPN? Let everyone know. I know I already, I already did your intro before this and talked about you started a mega empire. I'm already calling it now because I see the vision that you guys have. But just tell me about that move. Why did you want to do it? Well, the background background is my parents are Cuban exiles. And so first and foremost on my mind is freedom. 
And so whenever I've negotiated stuff with any employer, I've never wanted to work for a corporation, wanted to carve my own path, do it a little differently. What I've negotiated is freedom. And so here at the end with ESPN, long story short, I went from writing to radio to television, uh, never wanted to leave Miami, wanted to do it from Miami, told ESPN that if they wanted me to work for a corporation, they had to make something more Miami than the Miami I had. And so they're like, okay, how about your brother does the art for the show? You can be on Ocean Drive and your Cuban dad uh, can, in his second language, you know, he's a cartoon character. He can be right next to you every day and you do a father-son show. And so that's the long, short story. That's dope. Snook. Okay, you're shooting me right away. So I heard you mention your father. So did you have to talk him into coming on your show? I mean, how did you prep him for this? I need to know this because see, Renee has brought me along. And so I was <laughs> what it was in your mind when you selected your <laughs> to be your co-host. Uh, well, it, it's funny because I, I needed him, right? Because one of the reasons we were on, and I don't think that this is uh, something that will surprise people, but uh, ESPN was under, is, under indexing with Hispanics. And my name is Dan. I mean, he was gonna call me Gonzalo or Luis, but he wanted me to not suffer anything as a Latin guy. So he called me Dan. And then I need to appeal to the Latin audience and no one knows that I'm Latin because my last name is French and I don't look that Cuban. <laughs> and so we put him on as my accent and you wouldn't believe it. Um, he was less nervous than I was, more confident, no television training, again, doing the show in his second language. But he's like, I'm just going to help my son. And my only goal is going to be to show people a softer side of my son. And so remarkably enough, uh, I was vastly more scared all along than, than he was. But that said, he only thought the show was going to last six weeks because he thought it was too strange. He thought it was too <laughs> weird. <to go. laughs> it was too weird. <laughs> okay, well, I can understand that well. I don't think Renee had me on there because she thinks I'll be I'll be the softer. No, side. I know that she's gonna say some <laughs> wild stuff. Brooke <laughs> was growing up in a different time, so she has a different view on things like, for instance, Dan, I've been telling my sister and Snook that they need to get into crypto. And I'm like, so should should we start payments through cryptocurrency? Should I start giving y'all like a portion of the payment through crypto? A portion? They like, no, run me my money in cash. They don't want <laughs> <laughs> they don't want no parts of nothing new like this. I'm trying to merge them into the new world. Uh, we need young people to lead the way. We need young people to keep our minds sharp. I'm telling you, I'm sad that I get older every day in a way that jars me. It's moving very fast. I was in the supermarket the other day. It was 6 p.m. and I'm standing in front of the cashier. And I believe you ladies will understand this and I'm holding cash in the cashier's, uh, the, per the man's face, and he's just sort of looking past me. It's six o'clock in the evening. Uh -huh. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. This is the first time I've seen cash today. I'm, <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. I might as well be paying in like bones and bobbles. Like, yeah, no one does that anymore. It's like, there's two, you can pay with your phone now. Too. Like there's too many ways to pay. Cash really isn't it. I'm trying to tell them goodness yeah so so dan i don't want to i don't want to make whoops i was just going to say i tried to pay a hotel bill with cash and they had to call the manager down from upstairs to come down because they couldn't even figure out how to accept the no cash for payment for hotel. no one does that <laughs> dan i don't want to make you feel older but i mean i grew up watching uh highly questionable 
So that's why it was awesome that this all this happened. Um, but so I want to ask you, like, why'd you why'd you start Metal Arc Media, and and what are your goals for it? Uh, well, what we want to do with Metal Arc Media is establish some content that empowers creators. That has uh, I know that in some of the conversations I've had with Renee, and I really believe her to be a powerhouse. Uh, one of the callings that she has is she wants to own her own stuff. She wants to be somebody who, who gets supported and doesn't have limitations on her freedom. And so we wanted to create a, a, a space for creative people um, to, to follow whatever it is their dreams look like, uh, to, to build them and shape them. And we believe that, uh, that we have the pieces in place to support that in, in a way that will create and birth content that makes content makers happy as they make it because they're not enslaved by working for someone else. They're having the personal pride of working for themselves. Let me give some yes. class to that because <laughs> yes, every yes. creator knows that's goals. You want to create something dope. You also want it to get picked up, but you still want to own it and still create it, but get the machine behind you for lack of better terms. And so literally at Metal Lark, that's what they're doing. It's amazing. Like, I'm so excited about that. That's, that's dope. Well, okay, I so... I don't know. Have you guys announced that you've announced in the beginning already that you're joining us, that you're going to be This is the announcement, Dan. We haven't even- Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So, yes. So, what Dan is hinting at is, yes, remotely, Renee. Bomb. I know you see it. New new remote partnership. He told you all the things that every content creator loves to hear. So, when Dan told me his visions, he has John Skipper on. He has like, this is a powerhouse in the making. I feel like it's already a powerhouse. When they told me they wanted us to be a part of their network, are you kidding me? Like what? This is this is the dream. So yes, this is the announcement. It's gonna, as people know, they're hearing it now on a Tuesday, but yeah, no, this is how we're letting everyone know. Uh, and we're thrilled uh, to have you, Renee. We really are. You represent uh, the, the, the things that the company aspires to be. And I, I know a lot of people know your story, and the story is unbelievably charming and tough and strong. And it is an amazing story to tell the idea that at a time of instigated social change throughout our country, that the women in professional basketball were stronger than even the men. And that's no knock on the men who were plenty damn strong. But beyond your story, what I'm really looking forward to is just showing people your range that yes you can be wonderful on these topics but it doesn't have to be typecast that you can be a wide range of things to a wide range of people and you are this one wonderful defining thing that makes you a symbol for America but I'd love to I I can't wait for our audience to uh to see the full range and breadth of your personality. Dan I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) A beep, beep, okay, I don't want to toot her own horn. She's saying a beep, beep. So I just have I just have a quick question for you now. Jamel Hill's accomplishments, they speak for themselves. So how did you get her to join your network or what made you choose her for your network? Oh, it's such a cool story. I mean, it's a longer story, right? Uh, the, The CEO of our company, John Skipper, was trying to instigate cultural change at Disney 
by giving a bunch of minorities and women uh, a voice. And in so doing, the, the message got co-opted and we became a political organization, allegedly, when we weren't really talking politics. We were talking often about race, but you have to talk about those things in sports. And you guys saw over the last four years how uh, race got hijacked as it often does with politics. Anyway, all of which is to say, John Skipper gave Jamel Hill a wonderful opportunity to reinvent SportsCenter, SportsCenter 6, put her seal on it. Jamel is the best of us journalistically. She's had it yeah. harder as a woman and a black woman in sports writing where it's a caveman audience where she was often the only one. She is a strong, strong pioneer and we've always supported the things that she is and the things that she represents and we're really happy and and she's like-minded she loves us right this is a bit of a family <laughs> we're going to be a broadcasting place we're going to be a journalistic place but really it's a it's a family business it's about awesome. supporting the people around right. us who, who care about the same things we do that's awesome that's so, okay get into it all right and jamel <laughs> dan i don't know if you know or don't know but jamel's my homie i was literally talking to her yesterday like She's the homie. So for me, it really does feel like a family affair. And just even hearing you talk, I'm sure people can understand what attracted me. Now, tell people about like what also is going to happen as far as me being a part of your show, because you hinted at it with me joining your audience and showing the range. But can you just uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, uh, so we've got a very popular uh, sports podcast, right? It used to be on ESPN television, ESPN radio, and now it is in an audio space. And we're very soon going to sign a deal that allows us to have the resources to run this company and grow out what is a very popular sports podcast. And Renee, as, at least as part of what it is that we're doing, she's going to be on the show with us every week where we're going to be able to uh, do some of the stuff that she's best at, but also do some of the things where we uh, keep her off balance and, and make her sort of uh, work on her improv chops. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I know, I know she likes the challenge of that. So. Uh, <laughs> Because we're we're kind of a we're kind of a parody of a sports show. We're a bit in disguise, right? We we try we aspire to be a, a bit of a comedy show that's sort of disguised as a sports show. And so I'm looking forward to Renee uh, coming in and just sort of jostling everybody. Like uh, she's going to be very unpredictable for all of us. She's got where she's and my guess is she's going to very quickly, uh, you know, dominate the room. Uh, can't wait. Okay, so I can't wait. You guys get into it. We have a new partnership that we're doing with Meadowlark, and I couldn't be more excited. Dan, thank you for joining us. Thank here. you. Nice meeting thank you. you. Dan, thank we're you. family. We are family. Hey, hey, hey. I got Dan Lebetar with me. <laughs> Let's get it. Thank you, Dan, for joining us. Thank you for welcoming into the family. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, that's dope. Thank you, Dan. That's awesome. And I'll see you on, we're doing yours on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, I, I have it somewhere in the calendar, but it is a, it is a pleasure uh, to meet you guys. Uh, I, uh, you, has Carl talked to you? I think, I hope that Carl can give you, Carl is very good. So I hope that Carl can give you the kind of support that makes you uh, uh, feel uh, bolstered. We're not trying to, uh, you know, alter the spirit of anything. It would just be to give you, you know, give you the places where you, where wherever it is that you find that you feel like you're weak or have areas of weakness that we might be able to strengthen for you. We can figure that out. Awesome. Appreciate Thank it. You. We appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See you later.
And it looks nice. You look like you got a nice setup over there. What? I was looking. I was like, hey. We're on the beach. You guys got to get down here. It's nice in Miami. It's nice. <laughs> we were just there oh, last year we had our fam our girls treat down there in miami yeah, tell me about this. See, wait a minute this is the stuff we got to be talking about what was the girls trip in miami <laughs> <laughs> we did do a girl I, yeah it was boring though it wasn't like girls trip the movie we just was out there enjoying this we laid out by the pool like six hours at a time it felt like it was, <laughs> we like you're used to the sun and the beach and all that we wanted to just take it all in where, where were you staying um oh the mondrian oh yeah wow the yeah. mondrian is funky well that was girls night like so you, were on, <laughs> so you were on west avenue like mondrian like where the funky art is yeah yeah, yeah. We were, all of that yeah that's where we were and and so were they open open like dj downstairs uh or or not open like that yeah. we went to a pool party what two you went to <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you went to two pool parties at the Mondrian. Like those are those are big, like popular pool parties here. No, in Miami. it was like the ladies were walking around giving away free shots. It was like the whole, it was the whole thing. We actually <laughs> we were going downstairs not knowing that it was a popping party, and when we got down there, they're handing us drinks, and we're like, okay, like we kind of <laughs> thank you, okay. <laughs> you got to get you all down here to Miami for yeah, that. So, yeah, we did. At the Clevelander, where we do the show, they hand you a pina colada when you come in, like when you check oh, in. They hand that's you my drink of choice, like that. So yeah, that's that's, that's me all day. I love me some pina. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> all have to be my guest. Yeah, oh, we're we're in. We we will definitely be there. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. That's dope. This Thank you, guys, and welcome aboard, Renee. Really happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Love it, love it, love it. I told y'all this is a good day today. All right, so I'm so excited for Remotely One-on-One -on -one this week because we have Steven Jackson, and not only has he became the homie, but I'm just excited because when you hear him talk and you hear how passionate he is about these topics, you just can't help to cheer for him, root for him, and hope for change. And so just, just listen to the conversation. Thank you for joining Remotely, Renee. Love everything you're doing, all the smoke, all the everything. And I just want to go back a little bit and start at the beginning because... For you to be a, you were in the league for what, 12, 14 years in the league and you came from a community college. So I want to go back because that's not a normal, that's not a normal route, but you overcame a route. You started out, you went to Oak Hill, right? Mm -hmm. And that's around me. Like you went, and so tell me how that was going all the way from where you were to being in Virginia now. And I'm in West Virginia. So a lot of people I know there was OJ Mayo went to Oak Hill. There was other players that were very known that went to Oak Hill. Tell me about that experience. I grew up in Port Arthur, Texas. Um, a small city, 50,000 people, uh, eight sets of low-income housing, one grocery store, two high schools. So um, I was really good. I didn't know how good I was by the 11th grade. I didn't know how good I was. I was just playing basketball to actually get out the hood. You know, I, all my friends were doing the same thing, dying or going to jail. And um, that's all I was saying. So basketball was something that I was doing to get away from all that. And uh, after my junior year, we won a state championship. I played in a lot of AAU tournaments. And, um, you know, I'm the same class with Kobe Bryant, Jermaine O'Neal, Tim Thomas, Mike Bibby, Richard Hamilton, um, all those guys. And um, that's something I really made a name for myself. 
And Steve Smith reached out to my high school coach saying that um, I know this kid is not getting the looks that he need, you know, being in Texas because it's a really a basketball state. I mean, a football state. And right. um, this kid has a shot to go to the NBA. I can give him an opportunity to play at my school. I have one of the biggest school basketball schools in the country. He'll get seen and he'll get a scholarship to go to college. And he kept his word. Um, yeah. I was able to go there. I, I uh, This is the crazy situation. I was playing. I was trying to play football. And I was on a football field running my routes, you know, getting ready for football. And my high school coach and my mom, I see them walking on the field. So I turn around, you know, I'm actually thinking, you know, where I'm from, something didn't happen. Like something happened to somebody in my mm-hmm. family. That's all I'm thinking. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And they're coming on the field, they're like, uh, come on, take them pads off. I'm like, huh? It's like, take them pads off. Uh, you're not, you're going to Oak Hill. You ain't playing no football. You ain't playing no football night that we're sending you to Oak Hill. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, what? And I end up, they end up packing me up and my mom and her boyfriend at the time packed up a little van. We drove from Texas to Oak Hill. It was like 18 hours. And what made the trip crazy was, I don't know if you ever been to the campus, but it's like no. this the whole way. In mountains, the whole oh, way. Oh no, that's West Virginia. I'm from West Virginia, so that's normal to me. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I was sick the whole ride. I was like, are we there yet? But... Coach Smith was a blessing of disguise because everything he said, he kept his word. I got a chance to be seen. Uh, I got a chance to go play in the McDonald's game and start with Kobe Bryant. And you were the leading scorer of that game, if I do recall. Come on now. You were the leading scorer. We talked about it. It was Kobe Bryant, Jermaine O'Mill. I mean, there were some big names in your All-Star, in your McDonald's All-American game. What was that like going there? Because you kind of took off later. You know, a lot of players, they might have been discovered younger, and so people were following theirs. But, you know, you exploded late into your high school career. What was that like at the McDonald's All-American game with all of those names? You know, it, it was special because not only, like, guys like Tim Thomas, Jermaine O'Neal, Mike Bibby, Rich, yeah. Rich Hunter, those guys were close. But Ooh. as a teenager, I idolized Kobe. Yeah. So I, if, you, if, I, if I show people the footage all the time, me, me, him, and Rip, Rip, Richard Hamilton was like this the whole time. And really? I idolized Kobe because everything Kobe was and sought out to be, he had his mindset on that as a teenager. We were still thinking mm. games. We were still thinking girls. We were thinking hanging out. Yeah. His mind frame to be one of the best basketball players to ever walk this earth, he had that mind frame as a teenager. So I, 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 I admired him for that. And uh, just to be around those guys, just to be accepted, and be one of them, it meant the world to me. And with losing Kobe now, I hold, I hold those times uh, even more closer. But I was able to get um, a full ride to University of Arizona. Didn't pass my test. And- um, Are you talking about like the ACT, SAT test? Didn't even try to pass it, I actually, you know, I'm gonna keep it real. I, I actually, I didn't, even, I didn't even try to pass it. I was, you didn't take it or I, you just went in there and you was just like, forget it? I just didn't take it serious enough to pass it. Yeah. And, um, okay. After the first semester, they ended up kicking me off campus. And Mike Bibby's mom, man, Mike Bibby was so close. His mom didn't want me to go back to what I was used to back in my hometown because I probably would have spiraled back in that in that system. Yeah. And um, so she told my mom, well, let him stay with me. Mike is, wow. Mike, is only, Mike is only going to Arizona one year. We, me and Mike said we was doing one year. We was going to the NBA. Okay. They ended up winning the national championship. That was supposed to be my <laughs> national championship. Oh, gosh. Yes, they end, up winning, they end up winning that championship, and I understand with Mike Moms the whole time. And you know, Mike ended up getting he, he was ended up going in the draft. So, yeah. right before the draft, I was still standing with Mike Bibby's mom. Mike had moved off campus, and uh, she took me to work out with his brother. She was like, Wake up, you go and work out. 
So um, I, she's never took taken me to work out, ever. I always go with his brothers or I go with Mike. So it was kind of fishy. So <laughs> I, I grabbed my shoes and I hopped them. It's just me and her in the car. This has never happened before. So I knew something wasn't right. So we're not even going towards the LA Fitness that we normally play at. We on the highway going downtown. So as we on the highway, she's getting off the exit. I see the Phoenix Suns Arena. I'm like, wait a minute. She had pulled now. I knew she, I knew my baby mom had pulled, but this was another <laughs> level, okay? So we end up going to the tunnel. And you know, I played the NBA, so I know when you pull in the tunnel, how the, the yeah. security guards are familiar with who's coming in. They didn't stop her. They spoke to her like she was normal going there. So I'm like, okay, I'm really blue. My mind's really blue now. So <laughs> get your shoes and come on. So now when we get in there, she tell me to grab my shoes. I'm already thinking, okay, you better get, if, if she tell you to get your shoes. Get your mom right. Yeah, get your game face on, dog. <laughs> yeah. Game face on. So we go to the practice gym. It's Jason Kidd, Steve uh -huh. Nash, the whole Suns team, right? So I'm like, what? I'm kind of in awe. Yeah. And as soon as I walk in, Danny Ainge like, put your shoes on, go out there and play. This was Danny Ainge. This so like, is wild. I'm like, oh, I'm 18. I'm 18 at the time. Uh -huh. So I go out there. You know what I, I destroyed. You went to work, didn't you? <laughs> and, and the main culprit was Cedric Sabalas. I'm sorry, said, but it had to be you. But I punished him for about five or six games. And I just so happened what? to get picked by Steve Nash and Jay Kidd. So I was catching lives. I was just, I just had to oh, be in the right place. Yeah. And to the point where that year they made all their trades and they only had one pick in the draft, the mm -hmm. second to last pick in the draft. And they promised me that they was going to draft me, but they was going to cut me because they didn't have no roster spots. So in my mind, cool, I'm getting drafted. Yeah. I'm going to mm -hmm. find my way. Just draft me. Just let me get in. Like get you in the door. In the system. Just let my name be in the draft. Yep. That's how I was thinking. And yeah. uh, they said it was going to draft me and cut me. They guaranteed me some money and sent me to the um, CBA at the time, which is the D-League now, but it was the CBA, which was the worst okay. thing I've ever been through in my life. It was the worst For experience. real? CBA but why was is that, hard. what was bad about that experience? Because I have heard the same thing. Usually players didn't even used to fool with the D-League. They would just go overseas and, and, and play there. But why was it such a bad experience in the CBA? The D-League now is a, a cakewalk. I would love- Oh, I it's the G-League now. They done added a G to it, made it yeah, the Gatorade League, so you already know. I wish it was the G League then, but the CBA, <laughs> we had 18, like 12 hour bus rides. Oh. Not bus, I mean, excuse me, not the buses, no little vans. Yeah. About seven, eight, six, eight guys. Ooh. Then when you get there, you're sharing rooms. Like it, it, it was, it, it was just too much. My first day in Fort Wayne, I was playing for the Fort Wayne, uh, I think it was Fort Wayne Fury at the time. And mm -hmm. my first day there, I uh, know some of the guys, we go hang out at a bowling alley. 10 minutes in the bowling alley, Two guys come in there and hold the bowling alley uh, down, rob the bowling alley at gunpoint. My first day what? there. Yes, Fort what? Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne, Indiana. My first day, I'm like, oh, no. So I ended up not playing because I was I was a young guy and it was an older coach, so he wanted to play older guys. I was the only 18-year-old oh, yeah. in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the CBA at the time. That's crazy. So he, he, That's he, crazy. he kicked me off the team, ended up going overseas, breaking both of my feet, Come on, Stack. Listen, listen. I broke both of my feet. When, uh, when, uh, when, the, when the Suns cut me, they sent me to um, Australia. My, uh -huh. I was there for a month. I played there too. I played in Sydney. Okay. You was in the thick of things. That's dope. A month there, break my foot. 
come home, try out for like 15 NBA teams. Um, I'm like Chicago Bulls. I'm with the Chicago Bulls. The next day is actual cuts for guys to make the team. So uh-huh. you know, when I, when I explain this to you, you will understand. The yeah. first camp I had a penny on. The second uh-huh. day I was on the second team. Third okay. day I was with the starters. You was with the group. You was with the first group out. I was out. With the starting five the third day. <laughs> and, the, and the next day was cuts. The third day I broke my other foot. Oh, what? Go back to the hotel, call my mom crying, tell them maybe basketball might not be for me. But my mom's the real one. She's like, who, who am I? You, you crying? Who is this? I like that. You know what I'm saying? Why? Well, damn. I was, she ain't, was, ain't let me be sorry yeah, for I, yourself. I, I, I'm thinking she's been, oh, baby, it's going to be a <laughs> She didn't give me none of that. But no, she didn't give me none of that. She's a real one. She didn't give me none of that. So I'm like, oh, okay. I like that. All right. And, you know, I, I bounced around a little bit more. I went to um, Venezuela, played in Venezuela. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and you asked me about the junior college. I was, you know, I was only there three weeks. I didn't play a game there. Dang. So you didn't play at Butler. It was Butler, right? Yeah, I, I, I went to Butler. Um, let me tell you the real story. Um, Coach Eck was offering me a whole bunch of money to come to, um, to uh, Butler Community College. A whole bunch of money. And I knew I couldn't play because the, 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 the school year had already started. So I knew I couldn't play. But he was like, we're going to put you on, on the... Um, in the dorm, we're gonna pay you, we're gonna let you practice. Uh, you can't practice, but we're gonna let you work out all that. So it sounded great. I went there three weeks and hated it. <laughs> you know what I was doing there with the money he gave me? What? Selling weed. I was taking that money <laughs> because I was trying to survive. It was, it was, it was terrible. So the money wasn't enough for you to live off of, basically. So you was flipping it, basically. You was flipping it. Me and a couple other my teammates. And the only thing, the only reason why I stayed those three weeks was because my sister was right down the street at Wichita State. My sister was All-American in basketball. Okay, so as I talked about Steve Stack, you know, everybody calls him Stack, but just seeing his path, his trajectory, and and how many things could have went wrong, but he kept on just getting back on the right track to where he is now. It's incredible. Yeah, it's um it is incredible. And it's, it's also, it, it's inspiring. It's, it makes you think that sometimes just the small steps that you think aren't big things can power you forward to bigger things. And so, yeah, just he, yeah, it, it's hard, but it was the hard and necessary thing that he, he felt like he needed to do. All right. So we're going to keep it moving. Then we're going to keep it moving to remote roots Look, this is this episode might be top five, top five, top five. I'm telling you, we've we've already talked to Dan Levitar. We've had Steven Jackson on, and now Snooka Booker is going to bless us. Snooka Booker, tell us what's happening on Remote Roots. Okay, uh, BG. Uh, this week, <laughs> uh, I must say that I've been very uh, blessed to witness something that I didn't think I would witness any time in my life. Uh, you know, I've been both overwhelmed and overjoyed with the outcome of the trial. For me, the trial of the century, the outcome of that. And I can go back and remember to when this, uh, when George Floyd first lost his life and Renee, you called me on the phone and you said, are you watching this? I can't believe that we're watching this man lose his life right in front of us on TV. And I was able to share some stories with you about, uh, things that my grandmother has shared with me about stories of struggles that she had had. And 
I was able to share some stories about things that have happened, you know, in my life and even in um, before you were born in your sister's lives that, uh, you know, uh, you just never can get over really. It just kind of is right there with you. And so after a few days after uh, the death of George Floyd, usually when I get into those kind of moods and I'm really hurt and uh, I, I'm trying to reach or you know, find something to console me, I write. And so I wrote a poem, I Can't Breathe, Can You? And uh, it kind of expressed all my feelings about just uh, the whole black history thing and how it culminated with you know, the death of George Floyd. So check it out, here's the video. I can't breathe, can you? It's 2020 and the cataracts on my eyes have completely cleared. They protected me for years from visions I did not want to see and truly feared. From our very beginning in 1619 till now, there has been nothing anybody could do. Our black history began here in a hostile land and was so egregiously askew. I can't breathe, can you? Stolen from our motherland, and brought here to work. Having dark skin was definitely not an endearing perk. Forced to labor for free from morning to night. No one seemed to care about the poor Negro's plight. I can't breathe, can you? We were treated like property sold and beaten because of our pride. Freed by the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, but held in captivity until December 1865. In 1866, we celebrated Juneteenth, but were we really free or just pretending that our lives would improve and the inhumane treatment would finally be ending? I can't breathe, can you? From the Jim Crow laws in 1877 and the 1921 Tulsa massacre meant to disenfranchise us, to the 1950s civil rights movement inflamed by a brave incident by a woman on a bus. Dr. King, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, and all the rest stood up for us and surrendered their life for Freedom's Quest. Police brutality exposed in 91 with Rodney King, redlining, systemic racism, and now COVID-19 remind us of the dangerous elements we cannot see. We can't continue to be blind to the invisible. It's time for everyone to take a knee. We were kings and queens in 1619 who came here with our dignity. Don't be incited to be combative, loot, and steal, and have us stereotyped as an entity. Peacefully protest and go to the polls and vote. Feel free to share and use this advice. That's a President Obama quote. I can't believe in you. In 2020, it seems we've reached a scalding boiling point. 
it is definitely not a time to turn back and disappoint the ones who came before us and laid down their lives. So in this day and time, we can enjoy the finer things in life and survive. I can't breathe, can you? Reverend Sharpton spoke of 400 years of dreams deferred because a constant knee on our neck was highly preferred. It's now time to lift and remove that heavy, evil, and deadly knee so it doesn't choke us anymore and we can prayerfully, finally, be free. I can't breathe, can you? Who knows how all of this will end? Police reform, a COVID-19 vaccine, justice, or whatever trends. Maybe the world will become the one mentioned in Martin Luther King's dream. This Juneteenth, let's take a deep breath and follow God's love one another scheme. Inhale, exhale. I can't breathe, can you? Okay, so for remote roses, we have Brandon Patterson, and you guys know that Connecticut is a special place to me. VPs from Connecticut, everything seems to go back to Connecticut, but Brandon Patterson is a local activist in Connecticut who ended up having to come to Atlanta. I'll let you tell him why. Well, I just appreciate being here. I mean, I want to thank you for your inspiration for not only our community, but everybody uh, right now for just, you know, putting your passion forward and doing what we have to do right now, which is, you know, speak on social activism. Um, and what compelled me? I mean, how could I not be compelled? I just, in that moment, it was do everything possible to save our democracy. And it was just, you know, I can't say anything, but just inspirational to just go down and work with the other activists down there and organize with United Here, and Black Voters Matter and people that were like Latasha Brown and Stacey Abrams who are, you know, leading the charge in democracy and changing the culture of democracy in Georgia. I know, and I saw it working and going door to door, canvassing, um, you know, making sure people got to the polls in um, DeKalb and Cobb and Fulton counties. And um, it, it was just inspirational to see our people carry the torch for democracy in this country because it wasn't just about Georgia. They saved it for this nation because yeah. everything was on the line legislatively. I mean, we I mean, we can take a look at it, but you wouldn't be having consideration for our George Floyd bill. You wouldn't be having any consideration for the stimulus that was just passed, supporting our businesses in this pandemic. I mean, it's a whole different outlook if Warnock and ourselves were not elected. And I'm just thankful to have been a part of it. Um, How did that make you feel? Because I know when I even saw what was happening, we all felt it happening as we're watching it on CNN, MSNBC. My TV stayed on MSNBC for weeks at a time because I needed to know what was going on. But when you saw the results of your boots on the ground, door-to-door -door work, like, like, how did that make you feel? I mean, it was overwhelming. I mean, because you saw just what it meant to the people there, first off, to be a part of that. And to then see that translate to an actual victory for our country and for them, I mean, it was overwhelming. 
And it's sad to say, though, even in that moment, because um, it's that give and take in this country, on that day when it was declared the victory, what happened? It was January 6th. Yeah. And we saw what happened in D.C. So it just saw, like, when we show out and we can show and prove what we can do, how the, they keep just, you know, putting the knee on the neck and keep showing how they can control or how they like to say they can control or make it seem like that in this country, our trajectory. But it was inspirational when it was, and they're still trying to do that. And we can talk more about how they're still trying to curb us and, and limit our potential democracy-wise, but it was just beautiful to see us come out and, and, and to see the energy yes. that has changed yes. in that state. Yes. Brandon, it's always a blessing to see the fruits of your labor, and it gives you a little bit more courage and a little bit more uh, uh, resistance and uh, to be able to go further and do more, you know, because if you kick down, you don't get back up quite so quick, but when you have mm -hmm. uh, some successes, it makes you catapult up to higher levels. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that, because even when they try to put it down, you know, these things that are happening just naturally, you know, because of people putting work into it are translating into victories and hopefully they're inspiring people to keep at it and understand their own power. And I think that's what this moment's about. So, so Brent, I have a quick question for you. What does moments equal momentum mean to you? Mm. Wow. I, I mean, that's everything. I mean, that's everything. Uh, I love how you put it that way. Moments versus momentum. Um, I found moments, you know, and George Floyd's death, we saw moments in this country where, you know, people put up the black squares on Instagram, people were out in the streets, we saw them paying attention and saying we had to do something, you know, we saw that trauma, everyone experienced that residually, we had to do something. And, you know, we saw it was beautiful experience I was out here organizing out here making protests happen. It was beautiful to see. And then you get, wait, you're still talking about this a couple months later? You're still out here organizing it? Don't yeah. you have anything else to do? You know, don't you have any other priorities? That's, yeah. um, I mean, then you get people saying, you know, well, you know, we said it, we believe it, we, we know it's bad. But I'm like, I'm trying to get people to translate and hopefully it's inspiring after this verdict we saw the other day. We don't want you to just be here because of our neediness. You see black paint. We want you to see the worthiness and supporting us all the time, not just about neediness, but about worthiness. So your self-worth is only determined based on the fact that you are supporting other people who haven't had their worth validated. Yeah. That's what I would like to see. And it and needs to come from that level of empathy. And guess what? With people like you who have the passion who can um, actually speak to others and, you know, disseminate the information so that everyday people are going to say politics is very, very, very hard to understand for a lot of people. You need people like you who can disseminate that information and talk to people like they're people and make them understand. Like a lot of people don't understand how going to the polls affects them in the grocery store, affects them when they're doing their taxes, affects them for their college tuition. But mm -hmm. if you disseminate that information the way you're talking to people, just downright, just look them in the eye and say, this is what's happening. As long as you have people like you who are able to do that and put that effort into it, the longevity is always going to be there because you've educated. You've educated on the 
basic level and it will continue on. You'll start like my sons are more educated about politics than I was. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew I needed to vote. I understood what voting meant, but how it impacted me per se, I didn't have it the way that they it, it impacts them. So if you're able to disseminate that information to younger to older who really didn't understand how what it did for them, then the longevity is always going to be there. We thank you for your boots on the ground. Type. On the ground. And listen, Brandon, you know why you're here. Okay, let's get some roses. Let's sow some let's love. Get it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. I'm going to just give a score update for everyone. Big mommy, that's me. I have five VP and Snooki. You don't have five? Can I see where Paul's at in that again? Let's see that. It's actually me that has the five. She took my <laughs> the last week. Oh, yeah. I forgot. You got the other one. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, I got <laughs> undisputed. You can't even dispute that. I killed that one. So here we go. What do you have for us, Brandon? Rose here we go. Here we go. All right. So this Jamaican American was first known for his musicianship and, you know, his signature call and response style. He went on to win three Grammy Awards, and he basically popularized Trinidadian Caribbean music style in the Western world. So that's our first. Um, okay, we can move to the second. Right. Is he right? Is he right? Oh, we are wrong. We are wrong on both counts. Oh, okay, we're wrong there too. I'm I was about to say I was about to be mad at you if it was if it was. I was about to say you can't make it that easy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Nice, nice clue. Nice. How many guesses do we get, by the way? Five. I got five. Oh, guesses? Oh, we didn't ever put a. a oh, well, we don't have a number one because mostly no, if one, we go wrong, then we just move on to the next one. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. If we don't All get right. it after your fifth one, that means you stumped us, so no one gets a point. <laughs> Nobody gets a point. All right. So this dude is a multi talented king. So he became the first black person ever to win an Emmy Award and the first to host a week on the late night TV. And that was a big deal when it happened. Subbing for Johnny Carson. That's another clue. No guesses after that. It's one. a throwback. I like this, Brandon. I'm, I can move on. Uh oh. Nat nope, not Nat. Not Nat. Not Nat. Okay. Nat um, correct. We guess Bob Marley. That's incorrect. I said Wyclef. I heard music. That's incorrect. <laughs> what else we got, Brandon? So we got. So listen. Um, he translated his music into activism. So this guy was actually blacklisted um, because of this and refused to play in the South at the height of his career, um, supporting all because he was supporting the civil rights movement. So he's known for bailing out Martin Luther King in Birmingham City Jail. He financed the Freedom Rides. He helped organize the March on Washington. Oh, 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 oh. no. No. Yes, Bertley. The oh, he has it. I, you know, you know what? I couldn't think of his name. You know why I knew who it was? Because yeah. we went to the African American. Yes, Bob. Because remember, we went to the African American Heritage Camp. His daughter was the one who was at the camp. So when you start talking about that, she was over the camp, and so oh, I knew. I was like, I couldn't think of his name. That's that experience that matters. That's so. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> What's the full name? What's the one name? Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte. Woo, Brandon. I love that. The one I had to reach back. Had to Dale. reach back. Oh. Yeah. Hey, what is it? Dale. Still living at 95. I I couldn't say Dale because I would have given away. That would have been it. Yeah. That, that would have been it. 
Okay, Brandon. So it was Harry Belafonte. Snooker Booker got a point. The new score is me and Snook tied with five, BP with four, Cole telling you i knew and i actually knew that i couldn't think of his name but when he's when she said black listen south and, and i did that was like oh 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 oh, i remember who it is because i his daughter i knew his daughter oh right, my right, right. gosh I mean, that's tough you guys saw his daughter that, you get it? Well, that was a good one at least that was an amazing one these roses are for you not Thank for you. you but not just staying in connecticut you felt like you wanted to do more you wanted to make it felt so you went to atlanta you went door to door for uh, Senator Warnock now, not Reverend, I always want to say Reverend, for Senator Warnock, door to door. You worked with other groups, shouts to Black Voters Matter, I think you said United, I think you said all kinds of different companies and different organizations that came together to make mm -hmm. change and save democracy, as we talked about. Brandon, those are for Absolutely. you. And then for Harry Belafonte, Please. not only just being amazing and having a talent, that deserves roses in itself, but for also taking the money that he received from that talent, bailing people out of jail. You talked about the people mm -hmm. he bailed out of jail. He talked about turning down a check. Mm. Oh, that's not easy to do. You don't want to go to the South because the South doesn't represent what you're trying to represent. Mm -hmm. I'm not performing there. Turning down a check for leading the way to making your music also be a part of your activism. Come on, Harry Belafonte. Thank you. Thank you. Can't get no better. That was awesome. The That's one I knew. The one that Cole could have gotten in my goodness, Cole. What's good? But thank you, Brandon. Thank, thank you all. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. And, and continue. You good work. Absolutely, yes, please. Man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. Bless you guys. Oh, we bless you too. That might be the top five, too. That was a good one. I like that. <laughs> like, we know it. We know it. Who is it? So thank you so much, Brandon. That was lit. Yo. I'm so happy it wasn't Bob Marley because I was about to be like, come on now. That was not, <laughs> that was not well researched. And you Bob Marley, right? In the beginning, I think both. Off the rip, just because I said Jamaica, that's all. Yeah, yeah. we all like <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right, bye, guys. All right, bye. bye, -bye. Later. God bless you. That was cool. Damn. <laughs> yes, and I literally almost died. Oh, I'm gonna get this point. Okay, Snooker Booker. Okay, Snooker Booker. Got you one, Snooker Booker. Okay. I don't know if she has five though. No. Oh yeah, you got a controversial point. So I'm going back. I'm going back and watching the episodes and counting. Oh, point you got my points. She said you got my points. <laughs> Now, Paul, you don't want to start nothing here. You, you don't want to get up in the morning and somebody's knocking at your door. Snook gonna fight about her points. And actually, we will go back and recount Snook's points because if they're no, in we're not gonna go back because I have five. <laughs> I don't know how you got five. I don't know where that came. If I have to go back and watch every episode, I'll tell you because I know I have five. I actually had six because I just oh my goodness laughed and couldn't think of. <laughs> name of Don Steely, but I knew it was the South Carolina coach. You, you had six, but you couldn't think of the name of somebody. We all had all the points then. If we couldn't think of the name, we're going to go back. Okay, so the final answer is I have five. Snook has five with a question mark. We don't know yet. No, no, there's no question mark. There's no question mark. <laughs> 
VP said, stop the steal. So we have to make sure that to steal my shine. Cole got one, as we know, so she's safe down there. Ain't nobody going to try to take her point away. And VP <laughs> sitting at four. Listen, I told you this was going to be a good one. I told you we had a good one. And boy, did we have a good one. Shouts to Brandon Patterson, man. He came through. Show love, but also, I mean, look at what he's doing. People are not just having their voices heard. They're making it felt. We had Dan Levitar, from, 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 new remote partnership. We're coming on board with somebody who gets it. So if y'all don't know why we're going to Meadowlark, listen, we want to be content creators that we created, and then it's not taken from us. That's normal, but we're trying to change it. Welcome. Everything's new, okay? So everything is new. We had Steven Jackson come on, and just hearing his story, I mean, we talk about people's stories and how they had to overcome so many things. Look at his story. Look at where he's at, what he's done. Everything's new. So join us next week for our new episode next week on Remotely Renee. We're out of here, man. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.